The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The message you're about to hear is from RCCG Kings Embassy, Young Adults and Youth Church. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, so let's let's just sing two songs and then go straight to God's word for tonight. I don't know if you know this song. I have come to you, O oh Lord, I have come. Do you know this song? I have come to you, Lord. Is it unto the... Okay. Unto the Father, I have come to renew strength. So the first one will be, I have come to renew strength. The second one will be, I have come to receive help. And then the third one is, I have come to receive grace. Did we get it? I have come to renew strength. I have come to receive help. I have come to receive grace. I have come unto the Lord. I have come. Let it be very slow. I have come unto the Lord. Have you come? I have come to the Father. I have come to renew Again, I have come unto the Lord. I have come. I have come unto the Lord. Receive help now. I have come to the Lord. I have come. What have you come to do? I have come to the Father. I have come to receive help. I have come to the Lord to receive help again. To the Lord, we have come to receive grace. We have come unto the Lord. We have come. What have you come to do? We have come to the Father. We have come to receive grace. I have come unto the Lord.
choice of song is so that you would have hope so that you have hope that (laughs) the one that you are walking with does not fail everything around will want to make you think that he fails it does not fail it does not fail and I believe that the teaching of today as for many that will even listen to it after today is to let them know that God has not failed over you and that his plans have not changed no matter how raw you are if you submit yourself to his making you can be made for glory so that we can pray tonight I want us to move quickly so that we have at least 10 to 15 minutes to pray for ourselves we won't have done much if we just talk and we don't pray briefly we'll be talking about the making process and the text that the Lord has given to us is from 1 Samuel chapter 22 and I will read from verse 1 to 3 1 Samuel chapter 22 1 to 3 as many of us are here tonight I want you to pay attention to this it's it's going to be very important for us for some of us in years to come for some of us it's going to be relevant even now 1 Samuel chapter 22 1 to 3 The Bible says that, that And David therefore departed from there And escaped to the cave Of Adullam So when his brothers And his father's house had it They went down there to him Can we read verse 2 together? 1 to go And everyone Verse 2 
was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves together and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. Verse 3 says, Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab and said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. You see, I like that ending and that's how I will start before I jump back to the beginning. Last time when we met, one of the things that we prayed about on a Wednesday like this last month is that God will show us a glimpse of our future. Because you see, when you have an idea of where you are going and you know the beauty that is ahead, there will be a lot of desire for you to get there. But today we'll be praying a similar prayer, but a different style. And the prayer will be, God, let me know. Not what you will do for me alone, but what you are doing to me. You see, when you don't understand what God is doing to you, you will not appreciate the process. When you don't understand the reason for the several denials, you will look at the master and you will point to him and say you are a wicked man. You see that man that they gave talent to, his Bible says they gave them five talents, three talents and one, or five, two and one. The one did not know what the master was doing. He did not know that what the master was doing was to help him so that one day, when he returns and they give him a city, he will know how to handle it. So when they gave him one, he looked at it and said, "Ah, how will you give me one? You are a wicked man. When a man does not understand what the master is doing, he will look at the master and say to him, you are a wicked man. Many people, their misunderstanding of the works of the master ah, is why they have rejected what he's doing. So when God by mercy explains to you the reason why he's passing you through a process, you will value it. You will be the one saying, do more, do more, do more. There were certain foods that we never really liked until they told us the benefits. That this thing that we are denying you of, the more you eat it, the stronger you become. And then the child will say, oh yeah, mommy, pour more. But when you don't know what he is doing to you, that which was what David was saying there, whatever is taking you through becomes too much labor. As a matter of fact, you will tell him he's a wicked man. Countless times, many children have looked at their parents and they've said to their parents, Mommy is wicked though. But they did not know what mommy was doing until 20 years after. And they sat down on the table of regret and they said, Kai, if I just knew that the reason for the denial was this thing that mommy didn't want me to enter. That is the way you will see God too until the day he tells you this is why. That is the way you will look at God's work over your life. Because you see, most of the workings of God will not always be sweet. But the day you understand what He's doing to you, 
the reason why some plans were frustrated the reason why your own was kind of hard you won't appreciate him you will call him a wicked god so note it down that tonight is a central prayer god explain to me by mercy because you can't force him to explain to you but tell him father tonight help me to know what you are doing to me you see when we talk about the making process the first thing i want you to know is that there is no product that becomes of value that did not have its time whereby it was a raw material without value there is nothing that became beautiful that did not have its time when it was ignored most of the time when a product is in its raw stage the beauty is not appreciated only one who is a creator will look at that product in its raw stage and see the beauty in it in those days when we used to do fine art there were two types of designs i hope we all went to very good schools because my own school was very good <laughs> There were two types of designs we used to do. Number 1 was the paper mache. How many of us did paper mache? Ah, Sister Christie went to a good school. <laughs> so there was the paper mache and there was another one. I can't remember the name exactly, but I think it's mosaic something. The one whereby we use beads to design those two things. At the raw stage of the paper mache when you put the paper in water and starch and you pound if you are someone who gets irritated you will look at what you are doing and you will say nothing good can come out of this but in the eyes of him who is about to create right from the beginning of his creation he has already seen the beauty of what he wants to do that's what every raw material is at the inception there is absolutely no beauty until it passes through a process you know there were many things as i received the making process that i wanted to talk about number 1 i wanted to talk about the clay in the hand of the potter because that is the picture that we even used for the flyer that there is a clay and in the hands of the potter that which is sand and dust can become beautiful but god didn't approve of that one i wanted to speak about the axe in the hand of the yahweh himself you know when a generation that right now we are calling ourselves the battle axe of yahweh and I wanted to speak about the making of that axe. But yet, God didn't also approve of that until he took me to this text in 1 Samuel chapter 22. And he said, talk about our non-entities. Men who were nothing. 
became men that when the Bible finished them, I wanted to do a summary of their life. In First Chronicles chapter 12, he called them mighty men. You see, the men that this first Samuel chapter 22 are speaking of, in that verse 2, can we go there quickly? He mentioned three things about them. He said, they were men in distress. Other translations said they were men in trouble. Troubled life. Troubled situation. Troubled circumstances. He went on and said there were men in debts. And in those days, if you owe, you are a slave. It means that they did not even own their life. He extended it and said there were men that were discontented. Everything that they were doing, nothing there satisfied them again. That was how they met David. They were men frustrated. They were men that when you look at them from the outside, they were pictures of people that you can say that nothing good can come out of this one. But when God finished with them, these same men, that looked as if nothing good could ever come out of them. The Bible said they became mighty men. How did God use David to make something out of men that were nothing? And do you know, as we started to pray in a certain time that God raised for us men, bring to us men do you know as powerful as that prayer is God came again in a different style and said to us not to me, to us that do you know you can actually make men I know sometimes we are asking God to bring a certain strong man a man who is powerful enough such that we don't need much of explanation for him to know the heart of war. But in this text, the kind of men that God brought to David were not strong men. No. They were men that the story of their life was a sorry matter. But when God was done with them, they became strong men. Could it be that while we were asking God to bring a certain kind of man, God was looking at us and saying, why can't you make a certain kind of man? Could that be it? When you check First Chronicles chapter 12, 1 and 2, Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 8, when the Bible began to describe what this man became, he said there was one. He said by his spear alone, he killed 800 men, a man that came in in distress. He said there was another one. He was fighting with the sword and he was killing and killing with the Philistines, the Philistines until one day the sword glued into his hand and to remove the sword from his hand what became a problem. How did a man that came in frustrated become a man of war? What happened to him? Who made him? How did God make him? 
the story of a man changed that way that a man that he was not like that at the very beginning I like how first chronicles chapter 12 says their story he said they became so precise they could fight with their left hand they could fight with their right hand they became men of war how did it happen and that's what we want to talk about today how God made men who looked as if there was nothing to show about their life into men who became strong in the army of David what did God do to them because I tell you I've been praying about it if God should do it to you ah, you don't know what you can become even you you have not seen yourself I want you to realize about the men that God made this man was that number one they were men who had come to a point in their life where they realized and saw their helplessness three categories of them number one they were debtors a man who is owing means that he is not sufficient for himself. Number two, they were in distress. It means that that which was the problem of their life, they can't solve it themselves. Number three, they had become discontented with where they were. All this put together opens our eyes to men who had become helpless. You will never be able to stay with God until the day you realize that you cannot help yourself. The road to becoming anything with God, please take note of this one, starts on the day you see your limitation. On the day you recognize your limitation. Ah, that's the day strength has come recognition of weakness is not weakness it is strength when a man recognizes his weakness and seeks for help it is not weakness it is strength when a man recognizes his inadequacies it is not weakness oh, it is strength we are in a world and society that tells you to shut up about your weakness. But until you recognize your weakness and make it public, ah, I am not strong here, help me. That's, that man himself is a weak man. Can I ask you a question that when last did you do a diagnosis of yourself to know the areas where strength is still needed? did you visit the hospital room of Jesus because there are many times that sometimes you might think that you are strong and I always try to let people know I am not strong and I am not afraid to voice out weakness because with him I am strong 
But on my own, I cannot be strong. On my own, I am not really that prayerful. But with his supplies, ah, there is no length. I can pray from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. effortlessly with him. But on my own, there is no strength. When last did you go to his room and then he diagnosed the weakness in your life? And when last did you put it on his table and say, I have come? Because you cannot be looking for a doctor if you have not seen that you are sick. The reason why you don't run to him for supply of strength is that you are yet to see that there is a problem that needs his help. It's because you can handle it. That's why you have not cried and prayed about it yet. It's because you are in control. That is why you are not asking him to send his help. He was going to heal a man on the road. And he said, do you believe that I can heal you? And that man cried out and said, ah, there's an issue with my faith to help my unbelief. When a man is in control, he does not seek help. A man who is already helped needs no helper. A man who is already saved needs, needs no savior. A man who is already healed needs no doctor. There has always been supply of help. Men are just too proud to nurse it. That's what I was talking about at the very beginning. God looked at Adam and said to Adam, For it is not good that man should be alone. Let me provide to you an helper. And yet, Adam on his own still believed that he should carry the load by himself. And even till now, men still carry the load by themselves. There's still that inner, the pride of a man. That's the pride that was in Adam. Whereby the man believes that I should handle it all. And there was a supply of help. And help meet for him. But he said, no, I will carry it. And we saw how he failed. That same instrument was what God brought back to the disciples. It's not good that I leave you and you are alone. Let me give you a supply of help. But yet man will look at the Holy Spirit and yet not rely on the wisdom that he carries. We still believe that we can handle it on our own. But these men got to a point in their life that they realized that we will not go far if we don't go and look for a man who will help us. They had noticed their debts that we cannot pay these debts and there are many debts you can't pay. Don't think I'm talking about money when I'm referring to debts. Seeing itself is a debt. You couldn't pay it. He paid that one. There are also several debts that you are owing life. That you won't pay except you run to him for help. Many of us, we know that where we are is not comfortable. But rather than go and meet Jesus and submit ourselves to him, we would rather stay where we are. Not this man. They were not comfortable with where they were. And they knew that we couldn't continue to stay here. We must look for a David. And they left where they were. And the last one said... There were men in trouble. They knew that ah, we can undo this trouble on our own. And they ran and began to look for David. And when they met David, their makings began. There are six things that happen in the life of this man that I wish I could share with you. 
But for the purpose of this pass, I will give you only three. The remaining three, go and prayerfully pray that the Almighty God will open your eyes to them. So I said prayerfully pray. Because it's by mercy that you see some of these things. So I'll mention three things that was altered in their life. That whenever God wants to make a man, these three things must be altered. Number one. The first thing that had to be altered in their lives as they came to David was the place of their habitation where they lived. The Bible was clear to tell us that David was in a place called Cave of Adullam. It means that anybody who wanted to be helped by David had to first leave his own home to travel to where David was living and then to start to live there. A man's habitat is what usually makes him. Where you live determines your way of life. Where you live determines your character. Where you live determines your culture. It is why in this part of the world when you meet an Ijebu man, what is always synonymous with them? Eh? They always say they are stingy. Not because the man is naturally stingy, but because he resides in a place. Are you understanding the mystery of habitation? When you travel far and you go to the east, what's synonymous with them? Ah, they said they like money. Because a man can be made by where he lives. He can determine the culture of his life. It's why when God was going to speak to Peter, Peter was looking at an object that God had made clean. And Peter was saying, I'm a Jew. Where I am from, where I stay, we don't eat these certain things. Because a man can be made by where he was born. His habitat. You see, many of them who loved the life of where they were coming. As soon as they got to where David is, they had to start loving the place David loved. It means that everything that they learned where they are coming from, the day they came to cave Adulam, everything that they ever learned as a way of life, that day that thing died. I realized that the first thing that God does to a man he wants to make is a separation. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. It says, come out from what? From among them and be separate. When God wants to make a man, he separates him from what he calls home. Home is not necessarily where you live. Home is what has formed a culture over your life. Because wherever where, wherever a, any place a man's heart is, that is where home is. You can be here, but you can be at home. I hope you know it's not about where you are in the flesh. It's where your heart is. 
We have seen people who are in church who actually what they were doing, they were cooking rice. They sat in church, oh, but if you look in the spirit to what the person is doing, he just added salt to rice. Because that is where his heart is. So a separation from that house, from that home, is the first thing that God does to a man that he will make. He must separate you. Many of us, our heart has been so tied to many things. And what God wants to do in you requires an urgent surgery of separation. Have you ever looked at beans before? That the good of the beans is not actually that thing that covers it. Before we unless what is in it, what do you do first? You break it open. Many of us are like that. You are hidden. And the makings that God wants to do for you requires that He removes you from the supply of that place to His own supply. That is what happens to a child in the womb. The child has enjoyed for nine months the supply of the mother. But for what everyone has proposed for him, he must come out. That separation is the first thing that happens. Tonight you must become discontented with your present habitation. Tonight you must think about where you are, where you have stayed for so long that God is saying to you, it's time for you to leave. Abraham, depart from your father's house to a place I will show you. I've told you my story before. I never wanted to leave home, literally. Now I'm not talking about the literal aspect, but I'm bringing the two together. I never wanted to leave home. But God said to me clearly, I don't raise my children at home. That was, that, that was the only thing that I had. I said, okay, anywhere you throw me, I'm throwable. As I said, home is not where your daddy and mommy is living. Home is where your heart is. And God wants to take your heart away from that place that you have found so much comfort in. And wants your heart to be with him. That was what Jesus was saying. He said, let your heart be on things that are above. The reason why many have not yet been made in the way God wants to make them. Is that they have found so much comfort at home. Let me use that word tonight. For Peter... He came to a point in his life where Jesus had to tell him, follow me and I then I will make you. And so on that night, Peter left his boat. Peter left his fishes. He didn't even go home to say bye-bye. Because that was how heaven wanted to make him. Until you become discontented with the present place that you are home with. Ah, God might find it difficult to make you. Because the heart requires that your heart stays with Him. Number two. So the first one is a man's habitation must be altered in God's making. God alters where He's staying, where His heart is. God will alter it. That's the first thing. Number two is diet 
must be altered. After God alters where a man is living, the next thing that God alters is what goes into him, his diet. Apart from the fact that where a man lives makes the man, the second thing that makes a man is what he feeds on. There is a Yoruba proverb that says that whenever you see a bird flying, what is making it fly is what it has eaten. That's the same way it is spiritually. What determines a man is what he's feeding on. So when these men left their homes and started to live with David, and David altered the habitation. The next thing that was tampered with that God used to start to make them was what they started to eat. You find this in 1 Samuel chapter 21 from verse 3 to 6. 1 Samuel chapter 21 verse 3 to 6. The Bible said that there were certain men with David. And one day David was hungry and he entered into the temple. And there was nothing to eat. Even the Bible said to them that, or the priest said to them rather, the only kind of bread here is consecrated bread. It's not ordinary bread that anybody just eats. And David said, no. Whether consecrated or not consecrated, this is what I feed on. And he told them, give my people. And the Bible said they gave him and his people, the young men, consecrated bread something tells me that was not the only time they had this kind of bread so whatsoever David was eating the men began to eat of it how does this apply to us what will make you and how God will make you is until your diet begins to change the same thing the fathers have eaten, you too must begin to desire it. Many of us are asking God for new things, new mysteries, new anointing, new power, new influences. The only way you can get it is when you eat what they have eaten. God gave the children of Israel manna, a bread prepared from heaven. And the Bible said there was a supply of strength. For 40 years, they were moving in the strength of God. In the day that God was going to touch the man Elijah, God didn't use another method. What did God do for him? God had to bake bread again. On the day that Jesus was tired and there was nothing to eat, the Bible said he has also fasted for 40 days. Angel had to come again with a different kind of bread. One of the reasons why we miss God is the sin that is common in the scripture whereby the Bible will say, and the sons did not follow the ways of the father. Until that diet comes back to you, whereby you begin to desire the bread that the men of old have eaten. Ah, it won't make you. Because what will determine what you become is what comes into you. 
No wonder Jesus Christ said that man, man should not live by bread alone. But what must become the source of his life is by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So I saw David as one who made his core life to feast on the consecrated bread. And so every time he ate it, he will call his boys and also give them a little out of it. So that the same thing that was happening to him was being transferred to them. If you have ever seen a man who has touched anything with God, he ate something. You must find what he ate and you must eat it also. You must find what he drank and you must drink it too. Jesus said to James and John when they approached him, he said, please give us permission to sit by your left and your right. And Jesus asked them two central questions. He said, will you drink of the cup that they are giving me to drink? There is a cup that has wine. The things that you are asking of, are you ready to drink of it? Because if you don't submit yourself for that kind of making, whereby your diet becomes their diet, you can't enter what they entered. He said, are you ready to be baptized with this baptism? He said, if you have that, ah, I might not be able to guarantee you, but in the courtroom of heaven, it will be an object, a matter that they will discuss. So, their habitat was altered. Their diet also was altered. Not only their food diet, their discipline diet such that in the day when Uriah, that was his name, the Hittites, came home and they told him, go and sleep with your wife. He had so much learnt a diet that it wasn't part of him. They had learnt something. That's how God makes men. He controls their diet. Can God control what you are feasting on? Because if what you are feasting on is not that which proceeds out of him, he can't make you. The process involves that what you depend on is what proceeds out of God. That's what we are talking about. So everything that was entering David also entered this man. The only thing you must depend on if you want to matter to God is everything that proceeds out of him. Number three. The last thing that was altered was their life. And I will stop on this one. Their life too was altered. I will take it again. Where they called home was altered. Because God does not make men at home. What they were feeding on and feasting on was altered. They had to start to rely on that which came as a supply from God alone. Number three, their life was altered. weren't living anyhow anymore they began to live for a cause they began to live for a purpose I want you to know today that God does not finish with any man when God is finished with a man then that man is finished the curriculum of study with God does not end there's only several graduations the day that God says, I am finished with a man. Ah, 
That man is a finished man. They no longer were living for himself. They began to live for whatsoever David lived for. Every battle that David fought, they fought with him and for him. Everything that David did, they did to him and for him. Their entire purpose was swallowed up to satisfy the cause of David. You see, it is very easy to live for God. Where the problem is, is to die for Him. We don't need to say much if we are to ask men to live for God. But to find people who have reached a level in their life whereby they can die for God, that is where the work is. But you see, these men got to a point whereby their life was altered such that they could die for the cause of David. In the making process, a man must be that malleable such that he can die for him. You know, Jesus Christ said something. He said, whenever you see a man who tries to keep his life, what will happen to him? He said he will lose it. That's where your problem is with many of us. Why we never enter into everything that God has for us. We strive always to keep our life. He said, but when I find a man who is ready to give up his life, Ah, he said, then I can walk on that man. There are many things about David that the Bible never said. But one thing I found special about David was how he was not afraid to lose his life. I've said it several times. The preaching is not so that you go and die. That's not what we are preaching. Not that you go and stand where they are killing people and say, I'm ready to lose my life. Mm -mm, That's not it. But to come to a point in our life whereby you can submit your life in the prototype of Isaac and lay it upon the altar and say, for sacrifice, you can have me, oh God. It is easier to give God money than to give Him your life. That's what you don't know. It is easier to give God things. There's nothing you can't give God. What you can't give God really that is hard is life. That is why God is not really interested in money as you think. He has said it several times. He said the cattle on the thousand hills is mine. He said if I was hungry, (laughs) will I need to ask you? But what is hard for men to give him is life and anyone who has been able to submit his life to God there is no phantom in what God can make out of him because what you have done is like a potter you have submitted yourself like a clay also and so these men came to a point in their life 
whereby their life no longer mattered, especially because their savior anyway was David. So they gave up their life freely. And so they could die for the cause. We must begin to breed a new set of Christians who are ready to give up their life for God. Even the enemy is afraid of a man who has given his life to God. I remember as I round off before we go and pray, the story of a man, I think it was a movie that we watched and I shared it where we went to. There was a war going on between two nations. One had 200 soldiers and the other had like a legion. And when they began to trade words, come out, send your warrior, let's see who can fight. The ones with 200 sent out one man and he stood in front and said, okay, you send out your warrior. And they sent out another giant. And the one with 200 took a knife and shook him, stabbed himself and then died. And all of a sudden, the other army realized that eh, these ones did not come to Joko. Immediately they realized that these people had conquered death. They could die freely. <laughs> the warrior ran back. And they asked the captain later, what gave you that audacity to conquer death like that? Such that you were not even afraid. He said, ah, they came to fight. We, we came to die. That's the difference between two warriors. A man had reached a point whereby let's teach them how we do it. And he came out and said, this is what we came to do. And he stabbed himself. He meant, no matter the noise that you are shouting, do you know what we just did? (laughs) We are dead men. And then I understood that which was the word of Jesus. When the Bible was making a post in Corinthians, the Bible called him the firstborn of the dead. Is, Is that an interesting title? When they are hailing Jesus, they called him the firstborn of the dead you see we are too alive and God cannot make a man because there are many things we will break in you you can't be alive for it you will scream one of the hardest things to do in Israel was circumcision do you know there are many incomplete circumcisions because while they were circumcising the man was crying ah stop it stop it and they start to say ah between covenant and shout Let's stop this thing. That is how, why a man, what when a man is dead, you can easily break the bone and shape him and make him into a new man. God can't make you alive. You must die. It is because we are alive. That is why we are still angry with many people and many things. You are too alive. It is because you are alive. That is why... A few things that shouldn't make you upset is still upsetting you. Auntie, you are too alive. Die, die. The makings of God requires breakings. You must be dead to handle it. Otherwise, just like that man, you will point to him and say, you're a wicked God. Is that how they do it? But when a man has come to a point whereby his life has been laid down, everyone can make him. Do you know what it is for God to send a man from a three-bedroom in Ilori to a one-bedroom in Lagos? 
Have you ever phantomed that kind of instruction before? Do you know what it means for God to ask somebody to give out his only car? As in, you might not even understand it. Maybe because you don't have the only. But do you understand what it is for God to request for the only thing that you have? And a man is dead enough to give it up. I'm asking that God will not ask for the only thing that you have. Oh, but you will realize how alive you are when those demands come. But for the glory that we are talking about is beyond this world. Oh. But any man who will step into it must be dead enough to obey God blindly. And until you can obey God blindly, you cannot enter into the place he wants you to come into. So, God will separate you from home. God will alter your diet. God will alter your life. Many of us have a plan for where we are going. If you want him to make you, you will alter it all. Many of us have, this is how I want to do it. Be ready for alterations. If you want him to make you for glory. Be ready for great alterations. And when those alterations come, don't say no because of what he can bring out of it. You know, when we were going to, before we go and pray, when we were going to Niger State, one of the most beautiful things that happened on the journey was I told the person sitting next to me, every single thing that will happen the previous night I have seen that when we get there that we came rain will fall so I had seen that the car will spoil so while we were traveling the car spoiled and I told the person when the person is shouting ha this place is bush ah let us go ah let's stop another car and go I said what God showed me was that the car spoiled but in 30 minutes It was fixed. As a matter of fact, he showed me that there was a wire that they removed. So I sat down at the back calmly, waiting for the man to just remove the wire and the car will start. So I said, give it 30 minutes. God showed me the car spot and God showed me that this same car will get you to your destination. So we sat down. Ah, he's a liar. Oh. Hey, the man has called. And of course, the man so had called, send another car. There's no way this car can get there. And in 30 minutes, all of a sudden, and the man and the car came and the car came on and of course I looked at the person I said he showed me and I was 100% certain that if he said it he would do it that way that's the life he wants you to live a life that every single time as you are living here he can still control you you must be dead and I told them where we went to which is going to be your focus of prayer in life we are taught how to progressively live till one day we die that's how they teach us in life you go to school, you eat you do this, you do that so you are taught how to live till you die but when you come and roll to this kingdom you are taught how to progressively die until one day you will live that's how it is here 
So that's why Paul said, I die daily. So that one day at the end of that death, what will become the boast is that I live. So to, to live is Christ though. It's a good thing to live. But where death is, is a gainful thing. Many people don't understand the gains of death. That's why you are looking for life. And he that seeks life, what will happen to it? He will lose it. Close your eyes. Three prayer points tonight. You have ten minutes to cry out to God. Number one, show me what you are doing to me. You, you must understand the reason for the delays. You must understand the reason for the makings. What is God doing to you? Because if you don't know, you might even be thinking it's the enemy that has done it. Yet, it was God's makings. Show me what you are doing to me. Explain it to me by mercy. Let me know that it is because you want me to graduate in this place. That is why you are doing it to me. Number two prayer Whatsoever it is that is in me That is still tied to where you don't want me to be tied to That is still holding on to things that you I shouldn't be holding on to now Father cause a separation Change my appetite for what is not good for my life Let this flesh Let, let, let it go down let, Can you crucify it again with the cross? Please go ahead and pray to him. Ah, these kind of prayers, these are the prayers you shout fire, fire for. They are not quiet prayers. They are prayers that God hears with burden. I have prayed my own all afternoon. Begging and asking. That can my heart be forged for things that are only above? Father, I have come Redeemer Just as I am You are the porter, I am the clay, you can make me to what you want. You are the builder, you are the maker. You can make me to what you want. Please talk to him. Please don't leave me. Nor forsake me. Till you're thoroughly done with me. If you don't know what God is doing, you will resist it. Oh. If you don't know what God is doing in you, you will resist it. The purpose of the school of the spirit is a training ground. 
training ground that you are in. What heaven wants to do at the end is to showcase you. What he wants to do with you is to be able to make most of your life. But how will he be able to do it if your heart is still tied to a place? A man's heart is where his treasure is. How can he do it when your appetite is still wrong? Man is not designed to live by bread alone. But his means of survival must be of every word that comes out of his mouth. Is every word though. I know that you have obeyed a few but when last did you hear another? How can he lead you if you can't hear him? Plead to him tonight for a change of appetite that your desire will be fine-tuned for the things that really matter. Ask the great one to conquer the flesh. For the flesh profited nothing. It does not profit anything. Ah, you don't know what God can make out of you yet. Many of us are still blinded to the dimensions that God can take us to. If only God will show you a glimpse. Ah. him to help you to understand the purpose of these things he's doing five more minutes so please talk to him there is a window open tonight 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 can we be on our feet as we pray for the remaining five minutes there's a window open tonight. There's a window open tonight. And God is stretching forth his hand to you. Will you come? Sister, will you come? Let him make gold out of you. Will you come? Let him make you into what you never thought you could be. Come, 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 come. Tonight I come. I come, Father, I come. I come, oh God. Make me to everything you want, oh God. I come, I come to you. I come to you, great one. I have come. Let it desire only what you desire. I want to eat and drink of what you are drinking of. Only what you desire, Father. Two more minutes. Can you talk to him? 
out to you from the bottom of your heart. Let this time count for you in the spirit. mighty name we have prayed I want you to find a neighbor quickly if you can connect is good we want to strengthen ourselves for maybe one or two minutes too it can be three three it can be four four but I want you to pray with body for your neighbor you see these men came together they became a team of warriors they became people who could be called the battle axe of David they were trustworthy together. Nobody fell out. Nobody fell out. They were together. They became a bond. And that's what I want to do in the spirit. I want you to intercede for your neighbor. That this man or this woman will not fail God. That's the prayer you want to pray. He will make God proud. See, I want you to pray it with everything that is in you. It's a very vital prayer many will fail God many will fail families many will fail themselves I want you to pray it with burden Father this one this one will make God proud can you go ahead and go open your mouth and begin to talk to Jesus
heart We will make you glad Jesus Jesus my lover I want to make you smile I want to win your heart One more minute cry for him oh. That this one will not fail you Jesus fail the process he will stay till he's made he will make you proud a testimony was made about David God made a boast he said I have found one in him I can pour my holy oil in whom I can rest upon a generation will rise again of men who will make God proud. Who will stay in the process. Who will be made. We will make God proud. We will lift up the banners of the name of the Lord again. Jesus my lover. I want to make you proud. I want to win your heart Jesus Jesus my love I want to make you proud I want to make you smile Jesus 30 more seconds Jesus, my love, I will make you smile. I will make you proud. I won't jump out of the fire. I won't jump out of the making. I will stay in the cave until I learn how to roar. I won't be in a hurry. I will stay with you, Jesus. I will stay if everybody leaves. You can count on me to stay. I will give it up for you. I will give it up for you. Jesus, Jesus, my love. I want to make you smile. I want to win your heart. Thank you for listening. We are sure you've been blessed. For more messages, kindly log on to our website on www.kingsembassy.org.ng. For Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash mykingsembassy. And for Instagram and Twitter is at mykingsembassy. Thank you and God bless you.